podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. David! Dagen! How you doing, buddy? Long Not time. Not bad, mate. Not bad. Long, long time, this one. Long yeah, it's been a while time. since we did one of these. It's been oh, months. No. It's been months. It's been months and months. But we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot of, good, lot, lot of things going on. A lot of fun things happening. I think it just seems like a, a different... Transfer window for once. It feels like 2017-18 again. Yeah, it feels like we're back on the right track. It feels like the penny might have finally dropped with certain people within the club that this rebuild was not just needed, but significantly bigger than they thought it was. But also that it doesn't take too much of an investment either and obviously timing's everything but we can get onto that we can get onto that um you do sometimes wish the penny had dropped a little earlier because i'm sure especially some of the players we're going for were attainable similarly last year maybe a little bit more money maybe a little bit more just with contract statuses and things like that but maybe they're they're better known now a year on so it is it is a little bit of a shame always when you look back and say this could have still been done better this could still have you know we 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 didn't have to be in Europa we didn't have to have such a shit season but hey the positive is is that maybe sometimes people need to learn the hard way and yeah hopefully hopefully I think a lot of people are reserving judgment um but obviously everything we're hearing everything that's reported is positive, is definitely mm. positive. And obviously, the first step in the right direction is an absolutely magnificent deal for Alexis McAllister. Like, that is 35 million. Whether and, and I mean, I get confused because it's either 35 million or it's not. How do you put a, how do you put added add ons in a release clause? Yeah, I mean, if there is add ons, like it might have been that the release clause was maybe forty million, and maybe what we've agreed is that we'll pay thirty five up front and ten in add-ons, but they'll be easy to reach add-ons because that'll then allow us to stagger the the money out over amortization as opposed to with a release clause where you might have to pay the whole thing in one go. But there's zero chance that the 55 million fee coming out of Brighton is in any way true. There's no chance that's true. That's just a little bit of face saving by a couple of journalists who were completely wrong about what was going on because we were hearing for 
well over a week before the announcement of the medical that personal terms were, you know, if not agreed, certainly close to agreed. And certain journalists who cover Brighton were saying, no, no, there's no deal, there's no talks, there's nothing. And fair enough, if that's what the club are telling them, then that's up to them. But then tell me why Brighton would be the ones to request that the fee be undisclosed. Like, if they're getting 55 million, inclusive of add-ons, why would they want it undisclosed? They would want to disclose that because they paid 7 million for them. It's an enormous profit. It's a sign of how well run they are. They didn't get that. They got 35, which is still a good profit for them. And I think everybody should be happy with the deal. I know Brighton fans are a little bit upset that they feel he's been sold for under the value of what he is. But such is life. Such is the way of the world. And I, the more I think about this deal, Gags, and the more I, I watch him as a player, I'm just more and more excited by what he can bring to this team. I completely agree. From what I've seen, there's press resistance there. There's, you know, creativity there, vision. He doesn't need to, you know, just create from deep. He can move forward. He he likes to play further up advanced as well, but he's very comfortable dropping deep and sitting just in front of, you know, the, the centre-backs. You see that against us. You know, I mean, I noticed that in games against us only, and that's probably the most I've watched him, you know, in games against us. He's just holds the ball really well, is able to press as well. Uh, press, I mean, the press resistance is the key for our midfield. One of the things that we struggled with big time is we're just, we're just not very press resistant at the moment in that midfield. So the, the type of players that we're now targeting, um, McAllister can, can drift past players easily, can dribble past players, no problem. He's happy to keep it simple if he wants to and, and pass around, but He's just got this ability and vision where he's open for one-twos. His body shape's always good. It's just these little things that you see. Um, and that's just watching very little of him that you can see. And I, I remember um, McAllister and um, just, you know, the early, early days when he was coming through at Brighton, only in the last couple of years, but just thinking, oh, this is, I, I didn't know nothing about him at all. And I just thought he was a Scottish player or something, you know, one of those things where you just see the name and you just judge. And I thought, oh man, this guy must be crap or something. And as the games went on, as you play and you're like, bloody hell, this guy's actually really, really good. Because mm-hmm. he, st- he stood out in every game against us, he has. But he just yeah. goes under the radar because of his, you know, I don't know, maybe it's its name, I don't know. I, d- I don't know why, but I say that to me. I think. I think it's his demeanor. He's very understated. Yeah. and He's, he just... he's very focused and professional. Like, he, he reminds me so much of Ilke Gundigan both from a personality point of view and his game intelligence and kind, you know, a lot of how he plays as well. Like you watch him play and the thing that always stands out to me is that he can, he can be the dominant player in the game without actually dominating the ball because he plays clever one and two touch football because he takes up really smart pockets of space because when he plays a pass, what he's doing is he's not just completing his own pass. He's telling the guy he's passing it to, this is what you need to do next. So Busquets is the best I've ever seen do this, but 
Thiago does it really well as well. But Alexis does this too, where if he plays the ball to a teammate who's, you know, got a man coming behind him, he'll play it to his right foot if the player needs to turn right to get out of trouble. He'll play it to his left foot if the player needs to turn left to get out of trouble. He makes the, the decision for his teammate. And it makes the game so much simpler for everybody else. Like, you watch him slide balls in behind right backs for Matoma to fly onto. And if they're a narrow ball, it's telling him, cut in. Cut in and come back on your right foot. If it's a ball played that little bit further to the touchline, it's telling him you're going to need to stay outside on this one. He does the same thing for Solly March on the other side. When he plays a ball over the top, if it's a ball that's just behind the centre-backs, he's basically telling the striker, you've got one touch and then you need to make a decision here. If he plays it that little bit longer, he's telling that striker, you're going into space, you've got time, you can look up and pick your spot. So these type of things will simplify the game for a lot of our players. I think Diaz will benefit hugely from playing with Alexis not just the decisions that Alexis makes, because Diaz is an intelligent player himself. But the fact that Diaz doesn't speak great English and Alexis does and can translate instructions and whatever else to him, same thing with Darwin. Darwin is a player that needs a little bit more guidance on the pitch. But look at Brighton this year. Look at who was playing up front for them. An 18-year-old, Nevin Ferguson, who'd never played at this level before. And Alexis made his transition into the team he looks so great. much easier yeah, by he just. Really good. Oh, he's going to be great. For, he's he's the best player Ireland has produced since Roy Keane. Yeah, he like just, that's he, he's going to be better than Robbie Keane. He's going to be better than Damien Duff. This this kid is is unbelievably good. But Alexis makes all of these things easier for everybody else. And you know, we know that we're playing this hybrid shape. So Trent will be one of the deeper two and Alexis will be one of the more advanced two. So what he's going to do there is he's going to mirror what Trent does. So if Trent pushes forward, you'll see Alexis drop back. Well, and actually, the midfield will be able to shuffle. You know, you, you know, another additional point was that we saw how Gakpo likes to drop. You know, if he's playing in that nine spot and he comes deep and he wants to press and he wants to do that, this is going to allow, and, and currently in the midfield, no one likes to go and sit in that spot, right? And and take the take the space up. But if no one runs into the space, no one actually tries. Curtis tried a couple of times, but he's he's not natural for it. But this is where Mac mm. for, for, for Brighton has shown so much on the edge of the area, just yeah. popping up in places. But putting those passes out wide, then then connecting up with people, one twos, you know, you'll see that now Gakpo's role will be even better because he'll have someone who actually switches, and then when the gap's left, it's not just an empty hole. Well, because yeah. the midfielders just aren't confident enough to go forward. Well, this guy, he's got all the ability in, in the world to do hybrid that, roles. See, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, you look at. Danny Welbeck was obviously the other number nine at Brighton. And Danny Welbeck's big thing is he works the channels and he runs the channels. And when he'd run the channels, Alexis would take up centre forward roles. And his timing of runs, his ability to just find a half yard of space, absolutely elite level, like properly elite level stuff. And it's all based on his game intelligence. 
And you're right, when Gakpo would drop off, Curtis doesn't have the instinct to get into that role, but he has the technical ability to do it. Like, you can ping a ball at Curtis and he'll kill it dead. The problem is, when Cody would drop, he tended to drop towards the right rather than the left. So when he drops to the right, the player moving into the number nine spot is Jordan Henderson, who has neither the technical ability nor the instincts to know what to do in there. He just sort of gets in and jumps about a little bit. But Cody has always been better in his career operating on the left-hand side. So if Alexis is playing on the left, as we assume he will, then having him drop into that space and Alexis move into the centre-forward area, that is going to create a new little look for us that we should get success out of. And then... If it's Henderson in that right-sided role, we obviously don't think it will be. But if it is, his big strength at getting into the box is to be that decoy run. You think back to the 13-14 season, when Henderson would run into the box endlessly, most often as a decoy. But when he was asked to be involved, he could play off an instinct because he'd be arriving as the ball arrived and he could make a split-second decision. And we saw him create a number of goals back in that season with little one-touch flicks and tricks where he wasn't thinking about it. He was just acting on, there's the ball, there's my teammate, I'm going to get the ball to him. So if it is him, because he will play some games in that role, I think it'll benefit him as well. It'll benefit Mo, because when Cody drops back, he'll still have a reference point number nine. He'll still have somebody that if he picks the ball up, he can play and he can have an interchange with. He can play it into Alexis and make his next move, knowing he's getting the ball back. Same thing goes for Diaz off the other side. Same thing for Trent as a primary playmaker. He's going to know now, now I have another really good option to give the ball to. So when he starts to scan right to left, he's going to have Mo, Gakpo, Alexis and Diaz. So now he's got a wider range of weapons to use. And the great thing with Alexis is like he'll drop into little pockets of space as well. Trent will be able to give it to him, continue to move and get the ball back. And now you're getting Trent 30 yards from goal with a defense backing off him. Mo breaking one side, Cody central, Diaz the other side. Alexis now has the deeper runner coming with him. And Trent's going to have all those passing options and then the option to shoot. So I think we could see a tick up in Trent's goal scoring next year as well from open play, not just set play. So the other player that could benefit greatly, uh, any guesses who I'm going to go and talk about? Darwin? Yeah, man, you're right on. We have, yeah. we, we have this connection, mate. We have this connection. Um, I, think, I think what we've seen with Darwin is that the only person who actually from midfield or from a midfield perspective or area, has been able to connect with him at all is is Trent. You know, the yeah. passes over the top. He he when Trent's playing and he comes central, he can pick out Darwin in a pass with a pass mm-hmm. or, you know, put him in a position where he's either one on one or he's in a position where he can head across the goal. You know, as we saw towards the end of the season, the, those positions were coming. Now with Alexis in there, it gives another option with someone with vision. Uh I don't think uh Hendo in the past has had decent vision, but recently He's not. He's not shown it, you know, from from deep positions. And also, Henderson needs time. He needs yeah, time. And, and then we don't have it nowadays. 
Yeah, and also he's it. playing he's too far on the right as well, isn't he? He's always too far on the right nowadays, which doesn't just doesn't make sense. So uh, I don't, and you know, Fab is a shadow of what he was when he was on the edge of the box in the past. He was able to find passes and do well. He's not been doing that, and obviously we've not been playing Thiago very often at all because he's definitely got the ability to find plays, but he's just not been in the team. Curtis is way too early in his in his journey to to do that a couple of good passes obviously decision on the, on making the break. Still, yeah his decision yeah. making is still a couple of there, good but assists but it, it, it might come but again like i said if you want someone who's showing it who's been praised by the greatest of all time as well messi in terms of connecting up with players there's a there's a real prospect here that once this boy comes into midfield and we've got trent as well and if say tiago plays as well just say in a game you have three options of different positions on the pitch to find a runner and a, and someone whose movement is excellent, like Darwin, who's always trying to, you know, that's his game. He really wants to make that run. Doesn't matter if there's a, if there's not much space behind the line, he'll still make that run. And if you've got the accuracy and the ability to find the pass, he'll will make it. And I think mm. he gives. That's the beauty of Mac, that he now gives you another option in that game, in that team. Sorry, in that team, in the game to find those type of runs, those type of things. And I think Mo is going to benefit so much as well. Like it just, it just, this is the thing we've been asking for. When we keep saying that attack's shit, the attack's been shit or the attack is what's, what's going on. Why, why aren't these players involved? It's because no one's linking up with them. No one's able to bring them into the game. Yeah. If yeah, no, struggle, I totally agree. So this is a type of player that just connects the team. Another one, another one. And having him and Trent in the team, maybe on the opposite sides of the pitch is going to be great. It is, because you'll have that creativity now from both sides and we won't be as, as single player centric. You know, we, we'll have an added layer of creativity here. But the Alexis Darwin thing is something that really does fascinate me because if you go back and watch Benfica in 21-22, the season Darwin really exploded there, the player who helped him the most not just from a creativity point of view, but from like almost a guidance point of view, like talking to him, advising him on what to do, advising him on when to make his run and where to make his run, was Rafa Silva. And Alexis and Rafa Silva have quite a few similarities to their games, and they both have good beards, which is always worth pointing out. But Rafa Silva is that same type of understated, highly intelligent player And I think one of the shames of the last six, seven years is that he never made a move outside of Portugal because I think the subtlety of his game would have really done well in leagues like Germany or Italy. Not Didn't have quite the pace for the frenetic nature of the Premier League, but he's the type that, like Alexis, plays the game at his own kind of tempo wants to be able to control the game, even without having the ball all the time. And I think that Rafa Silva-Darwin link-up was absolutely vital to how Darwin kicked on in that second season there. And I expect Darwin to have a really big season next year. Like, there's been a lot of negativity around him, but it's, it's nonsensical. Think back over the course of this season. He started pretty well. He was at one point kind of loading the team up on his back as the only real attacking threat we had because Mo was struggling for form. Diaz was injured. Jota was injured. 
Bobby wasn't in great form and obviously we didn't have Cody yet. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Post-World Cup, he did pretty well. And then at the end, kind of the last three months of the season, because Cody was playing so well, Darren was in and out of the team. He was playing left wing. He picked up a couple of injuries. And it's very clear his confidence went. But the guy still got 15 goals this this past season. And, like, that's nothing to be sniffed at. That's more than, say, Gabriel Jesus got for Arsenal, who's lauded as this great signing. It's just that there's so many idiots who want to immediately just compare Darwin to Erling Haaland and say, oh, Liverpool paid more money for Darwin, so he should be as good or whatever garbage mm. they come up with. But the thing is, no, we didn't. <laughs> no, we didn't pay more money for him. We paid 60-something million with some add-ons, right? But while City might have only paid 52 million to, to Dortmund as a release clause, Let's not forget that the financial package involved is well over double what we're paying for Darwin. Yeah. Like they're paying him 800 grand a week in salary and bonuses. Darwin's on about 150 grand a week, maybe rising to 215, 220 with bonuses. We didn't pay Darwin's dad 20 million. We didn't pay Darwin a 20 million signing bonus. We didn't pay his agent 30 million in fees. Like when you add up the total cost of the Haaland deal, it's it's an outrageous sum of money. I, I just don't think we should compare them. He's, no, Haaland, we shouldn't. Haaland is, Haaland is, you know, we have to admit, he's just another... He's, just he's, a, a, freak, yeah, he's, he's on the level. He's a freaking agent. He's, he's a beast, you know. He's just, he's just unbelievable. But, but I think no you're right. gags that for er, from, in the early parts of the season... Despite yeah, the, the team played that, in a way that suited Darwin. Yeah, did. But, and, and, and the, the new is, way didn't. And I think that's why he didn't look as good. But it's way too soon to just say, let's sell him. You know, it's, it's we have to, he, you know, uh, the midfield, like we just identified, like we just talked about, we gave evidence to, or at least gave examples to, just wasn't right for this type of player. As in midfield in terms of the people playing in the roles. Yeah, there's no right. creativity other than So, fact. when these players come in, I mean, we're going to get to Taram in a second, but if you watch any of this kid, and I have only watched clips and his best bits or whatever, because obviously I don't watch Liga, but Jesus Christ, even when he's in advanced positions, he's so nice, he's so nifty in, in finding players in a box and doing one-twos or whatever and, and, and playing people in. Darwin's going to love it. Darwin's going to love having these type of players in the team. Like just on the edge of a, just on the shoulder of a defender. And if, if and Taram's the type of player who's going to dribble. So that's the other thing. 
that these players mm. that we're linked to is adding are adding, sorry, is that McAllister can dribble, by the way. He can yeah. if he's in a tight position, he's gonna get past three or four players. He did it against us a few times. Kevin Turan is an is a different level. He's a monster dribbler. Like the guy would just go on these runs, drag players out of position. That's gonna be beautiful for someone like Darwin Nunes. Beautiful because yeah, yeah. What Kefren does is he draws defenders to him. So if he's running at the heart of a defence, a centre-back is going to have to go and meet him. They're going to have to go and try and challenge him. And Turam, the final ball needs a little bit of work, but he's 22 years of age. He's just turned 22. Like, he is a kid. So he's younger than Curtis Jones, just, just for context. He's younger than Curtis Jones. Mm. he's going to be able to draw defenders, beat them, or shift it a little bit to the left. You're going to have Alexis coming to receive that ball. And now there's a big space that Darwin's going to run into, or Moe's going to cut into. And Alexis is going to be able to find them time and time and time again. And you're right. I mean, the the dynamic that Kefren Turam can add to this team with that ball carrying, the ability to turn. Like, we have... Trent, who can turn defence into attack with a 60-yard pass. But now we're going to add Kefren Turam, fingers crossed, who can turn defence into attack by picking the ball up on the edge of his own box and dribbling past three or four players. Mm. And all of a sudden, because we've got pace in Darwin, in Mo, in Diaz, in Manu Kone, if he arrives as well, and Kefren, their ability to cover ground will lead to us getting a lot more five-on-three counterattacks like we used to get back in the day. Like, you remember the games where we'd be defending a set piece and next thing it'd be Mo, Mane, Ox coming from midfield, Ginny coming from midfield, and Andy Robertson, like a bat of the hell from left-back. Mm. Pressing forward, one of them carrying the ball, and you'd have three defenders retreating and five of our lads swarming towards them. And we got a number of goals that way. And that's a new wrinkle we'll be able to add back into our team that we haven't had because Henderson can't run anymore. Fabinho can't run anymore. And Thiago's never had the great foot speed. No. So you start to add more dynamic players into our system and obviously Darwin's much quicker than Bobby ever was, <clears throat> we're going to be a much bigger threat on counterattacks than we have been for the last couple of years. And again, that's a big source of goals for us. It's huge. I mean, just imagine, remember when we had uh, an unbelievable amount of dribblers in the team, like, you know, Sturridge and Suarez, and, you know, these players just Sterling. I know they were all forward. They were forwards, but, you look at some of the numbers of these players. I mean, we haven't even talked about Kone yet, who does, who's also a dribbler as well, who can uh, ball carry. Just matter free kicks won by some of these players as well. It's going to be incredible because we just, we're just, we're, we're more giving away free kicks than winning them nowadays, I think, because we're slower than everyone. And we're not, to the, we're, not, we're not very good in duels, or at least it doesn't seem like it. And yeah, our pressing is late at times. It's yeah. not been the best. So it's been lethargic. It's it's been it's been look. It's it's, a, it's, it's a been what it the is. The fact that we have midfielders that don't have any legs. That's right. Like it's not. 
I wouldn't say it's their fault. This is what's happened by being overplayed and mm. relied on for so long and not having more, you know, better players because obviously he trusts them because they've won everything for him. Uh, I get it. I get it why he trusts them. But, you know, maybe go and buy a few. Um, in, in, you know, maybe just buy one. One would have done last summer. One. Just one. Just one would have done to help this team get forth at least. Yeah. You know, oh, 100%. I mean, it, 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 that, that, that's what I'm trying to say is that it sometimes doesn't have to be like a Taram last summer. Surely there would have been, you know, he would have been in the team by December and absolutely smashing it. And the second half of the season, we wouldn't have any troubles. And you know? like the, the thing is, it's not like he's an unknown quantity. I, I had him on one of the lists for a transfer committee pod last summer. Hmm. I had Manu Kone on the same list. Yeah. And they've we been, talked about it at the time. Two summers in a row, they've been on yeah. the list. Yeah. And we talked about it at the time because obviously Chumani had been the target. And since we didn't get him, it left enough money to buy two, which is what we needed anyway. And we could have gone and bought Turam and Kone or Turam and Amadou Onana, who obviously ended up at Everton, but he was on that list as well. Like we could have gone and bought two powerful young dynamic midfielders who would have changed how this team went about their business in that spell after the World Cup, for example, where we were dreadful. And they would have been more dynamic and more aggressive. And after a few months of settling in and, and getting you know used to the different pressing triggers and the different expectations, they would have been hugely impactful players for us. But we rested on our laurels and you had Jürgen. And I'm not being funny. Jürgen embarrassed himself last summer with the way he carried on like speaking down to the fans gaslighting fans over transfers and then at the end of the window having to turn around and say okay i was wrong like you were wrong you knew you were wrong you went and tried to buy two of many you knew you needed a midfielder now you needed two but at least you realized you needed one and then you went and you sat with sycophants and laughed about, well, why are people asking for a midfielder? I've got Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Okay, but you never play him. I've got Naby Keita. Okay, you don't really play him. I've got Fabio Carvalho. He's not a fucking midfielder. Neither is Harvey Elliott. Henderson had been poor for two years at that point. There was clear signs of Fabinho's decline over the last few months of last season. Thiago always gets hurt. And Curtis Jones, you had shown no inclination of really trusting him at that point. And you showed none for the most majority of this past season. That video, that interview should be, it should be like on a Twitter account that, you know, the one of those images that preceded unfortunate events. Yeah, a hundred percent it should. But like, it's not just that one interview. He did it all summer in press conferences. I remember Neil Jones asking him the question, having been the only one with the guts to ask him the question. And he just sat there listing off, tell me what type of midfielder I need. Good ones, Jürgen. Good ones. Ones that can Sick run, ones. mate. Ones that can run. Ones that might, you know, here's a novel idea. Ones that might get you a goal. Ones that might score you a goal from time to time. You know, because... this week we had the Bellingham news as well. <laughs> and like, it, 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 it kind of matches what you're saying here. Is that we just wasted two years on this kid. Like maybe, okay, a, a year, this year, last year's window and this year's window, it feels like two years, but it's two, you know, it's like two or three some, you know, transfer windows maybe. 
You know, it just sitting on is, our hands, waiting for quote unquote the right player, which is such a nonsense because that's not how our team was built. If you if you if we travel back in time, Sadio Mane was bought because Mario Gotza turned us down. So we didn't wait for the right player, we just went to the next guy on the list. Mo Salah was bought because the intelligent people behind the scenes, your Michael Edwards and Ian Grahams and, and, and such, told Jürgen, Mo's a much better offer than Julian Brand. Much mm. better. And so they talked him into it. He agreed. They went and got Mo. You look further back, Ginny Wijnaldum, he wasn't a first-choice target. Mo Dehoud was the first-choice target. And then we pissed off Gladbach, and we had to change tact, and we went and we bought Ginny Wijnaldum. Yes, we waited for Virgil. But we waited for Virgil because Virgil gave us his word. Because Virgil had agreed to join us in that summer until Tom Werner went and shot his mouth off and screwed the whole thing up. But we knew we were getting Virgil. We knew as a matter of fact that we were going to get Virgil. So we could afford to wait for him. We didn't know we were getting Jude Bellingham. We weren't guaranteed to get Jude Bellingham. And as it turns out, gags, I'm happy we're not getting Jude Bellingham because very clearly the one. <laughs> that's it. But that's it. But very but, clearly the plan for the summer. But Dave, was one Jude thing Bellingham we, and Mason Mount? Yeah. One thing we haven't mentioned, and I don't know if you mentioned it on your pods because uh, you know I've been I'm really really busy. So don't get to listen. Sorry. Don't but, even listen to my pods. Jesus. I mean, well, you got plenty of others listening, here. so it's fine, right? Oh, sorry, so, right I, I save it for this. Um, I save it for this. But um, don't you feel like? there was a massive sense of overconfidence because especially on Jürgen's part, because obviously it was like, yeah, we're going to get champions league again. Yeah. We'll yeah. just attract Bellingham again next summer. We'll wait for him. You know, that, that, that there, there was, this was, I hate that we're in the Europa league. Believe me, I hate it, but it may have been needed as a reality check for everyone around the club. Oh, we are percent it was. not have any right. You have to earn the right to be anywhere, like, like a Champions League spot, whatever, you have to earn it. And we did not fucking earn it. And we, and it, and it maybe feel, felt like because we've been there for four or five years in a row with, with, with Big Yergs and he's earned it, he really did. Maybe this year felt, and last summer after almost going towards a quad, maybe that overconfidence came in thinking we, you're a bit untouchable and you're a bit unlucky. You know, with the last day. Arrogance is what it is, guys. It's yeah, overconfidence, arrogance. They, they, you know what it is, though? And it, it came tumbling not actually, down. It's not last season that created that arrogance. It's the season before, the 2021 season, where we lost all our centre-backs. Mm. We were absolute dog shit for that 12-game run because we were brilliant through 16 games because Fabinho was playing out of his mind at centre-back next to Matip. Fab was the best centre-back in the league for that run of time. Then we were dog shit for 12 games. But we managed to turn it around in the last 10 and get third. And I think the expect or the, the, the belief was, well, no matter what, we're going to get top four. Like, as a bare minimum, we'll get top four because, truthfully, the league is not very good. Like, it's not very good. Arsenal are, are, are decent. They're not great. Any of our teams from previous years, 18, 19, 19, 20, or last season, 
would wipe the floor with this Arsenal team. We wiped the floor with them at Anfield and should have beaten them. We should have beaten them away, even though we were appalling, but we got robbed by a referee who got all three big decisions in the game wrong. United are not particularly good. Newcastle aren't particularly good. So I think there was just an arrogance that, well, like, let's look around at the landscape. These teams aren't better than us. So even if our midfield struggles, we'll still be really good defensively and we'll still have a really good attack. But no one thought to think about, well, what links those things? What helps the defence and helps the attack? Oh, it's the midfield. And our midfield last season is what cost us the Premier League title and Champions League. Our midfield let us down last season. Thiago's injuries, the form of a couple of other players. It was decisions. Of, it was decisions. It was decisions. Yeah. But I think I think finishing fifth was needed this summer because the plan was clearly we'll go and we'll get Jude, we'll go and we'll get Mason Mount, and that's what we'll do this summer. Yeah. And look, they're both Mason Mount is very, very good. Very, very good player. And Jude could someday be great. He has that potential. But that was going to be 89 million for Jude, plus add ons bringing it to 115, and probably 50 to 55 for Mason Mount. That's 170 million. That's the entire budget gone. No holding midfielder, no left sided centre back, no depth anywhere. That was going to be our summer, those two. That's also about 600 grand a week in, in wages because Jude's on about 350, 360. Mount is looking for about 250. That's 600 grand a week. Alexis is probably on about 120. Turam will probably be somewhere 70 or 80. Manu Kone, probably 60 or 70. And if the centre-back is Mickey van der Veen, that's probably 60. Yeah. All four of those for less wages combined than Jude. Meaning that we're saving about 12.5 million on wages on what we had projected to pay or potentially projected to pay. Now, I don't think we would have given Jude that contract because it creates so many issues down the line. But we're, we've readjusted to our budget. We've readjusted to what we can actually, who, who we can actually attract without Champions League for a year. And like personally, I'd look at it and say, we went for Alexis over Mount. I think that's clear as anything. We, we, we spoke to both parties for, for months on end. I think we went for Alexis over Mount because the package was just... Well, I, I mean, it might, might have been true that Mount also rejected us. It's fine because we're not in Champions League. That's okay. That's okay. You know, it, yeah, it well, I don't happen. really mind if he did. But yeah, if, he, yeah. if he'd reject okay. us to go to United, then, then he's funny. not the type of player you'd want. No, because, because that's clearly just a bad decision maker. Yeah, he's the but, worst decision maker like, in the world. <laughs> yeah, but like stylistically, if we end up with Kefren and McAllister in those advanced roles rather than Jude and Mount, Kefren is more is clearly more similar to Jude. McAllister's more similar to Mount. In the short term, I think we'll actually be better off because Jude is Jude is super talented, like super talented. But he's also very overrated right now. There are. But I'm worried about his knee as well, to be honest. The, the knee is one thing, but if you watch Dortmund week to week, he will have two unbelievable games in a row, 
And then he'll disappear for a game. And then he'll have a game where he stinks the place out. And then he'll have two unbelievable games. I'd still have him, Dave. <laughs> oh, look, I, I, of course you would. But, but my point here, guys, is there were people, not, not Jürgen, not people within the club, there were fans who thought, if we sign Jude, that cures everything. Hmm. Because Jude is 25-year-old Stephen Gerrard. And I'm sorry, he just isn't. He might be when he's 23, 24. But now he's a 19-year-old who is still inconsistent because 19-year-olds are still inconsistent, regardless of how much experience he has. And by the way, he's played too many games for a 19-year-old. But regardless of that, he's still a 19-year-old. He's still going to do silly things because that's what kids do. The idea that this 19-year-old was going to come in and just immediately get us back above City was just stupid. Stupid. And I think the other realisation that's been made with Liverpool, not just that we're not as good as we thought we were, is that we're further from City than we thought we were. So it doesn't make sense to just buy for immediate impact. It makes sense to buy for the longer term because it's a, it's a, a build back to City's level in the same way it was in the summer of 2018 where we didn't think we'd immediately go and challenge City for the league. Mm. But we thought we'd get closer. And then maybe the following season we challenged. As it turned out, we challenged in the first year and then wiped the floor with the whole league in the second year. But it's a return to that mindset of players that we can develop over the next couple of years. And if you add Alexis, who's younger than Trent, to Trent, Cody, Darwin, Diaz, Kanate... Then you add Kefren, then you add Kone, then you potentially add Mickey Van de Veen. All of a sudden, you've put together a really, really strong young core where the only players you'll be looking to replace in the starting 11 from an age point of view in the next three years are maybe Virgil and Mo. And there's no guarantee that you'd need to replace them. Look at Mo looks after himself better than any player in the world. And look how the likes of Cristiano and and others have extended their careers well into the mid-30s. And Virgil, I mean, Thiago Silva is still fooling people into thinking he's a great centre-back at 38. The guy's never in his life been better than Virgil. Never. Never even came close to the level Virgil was at. Even last season, forget pre-ACL. So there's no reason Virgil couldn't play till he's 35, 36. Ali's just getting warmed up. Ali just had the best season of his career. So you'd all of a sudden have rebuilt the Liverpool team. And then in the next couple of years, it's just about adding around the margins. Maybe there's, maybe there's one player that you see and you think, okay, he can actually improve us straight away. You go and you do that. But doing it this way, spreading our money around, that's how we built that first team. We didn't go and we didn't buy some big money player. That first summer we bought Sadio, we bought Ginny, we brought in Joel Matip on a free. The next summer, it was Robbo, it was Mo, it was Ox. Then it was Virgil in the January, and then it was Naby, Fabinho, and Ali. It was money being spread around 
and doing it step by step by step. And I think that's what we're going back to. Yeah, makes sense. I think we um, we should probably talk a little bit more about Turam and then Kone as well here, as, we, as we're there, unless we have anything more on Mac. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. No, just the last thing with Mac is is the mindset. Like, this is a club that should be winning trophies most years. Mm. Regardless of who the manager is, regardless of who the players are, that is the standard of this club. And we, we now live in an era where there's weird people out there who've managed to convince people that it's not about trophies, it's about how much fun you have. It's utter bollocks. The the purpose of football is to win. The purpose of sport is to win. It has to be about both. And there's no grey area. You either win or you don't win. Simple as that. Now, I saw someone say that Liverpool fans have had more fun over the last five years than Man City fans. I'm sorry. That's you. That's not a generalisation. That's just you. Because your expectations are just to go the game with your buddy, because you're not really a Liverpool fan. You go to the football because it's part of your identity, because you think you should be a football fan. And when you talk, you kind of expose yourself as not knowing all that much. But the purpose of the game is to win. And that's what this club was built on. Bill Shankly built this club to win. Bob Paisley continued that work to win. Joe Fagan, Kenny Dalglish, even soon as when he came in, Came in with the mindset of winning is the only thing that matters here. And that's how the club should be. And Jurgen has got us back a little bit towards that, obviously. Rafa got us in that direction. Julier got us in that direction. But this club should be competing for the league most seasons. The idea that we've gotten greedy because we expect the team to get top four is is just is gaslighting. It's bullshit. This club should be getting top four as a minimum. And every season without top four is is a failure. And frankly, any season where we don't win something is a failure. But Alexis comes in with the mindset of winning. Mm. The guy was at Argentinos Juniors, and in his debut season, he helped them get promoted from the second division to the top flight. He went on loan to Boca Juniors, and he helped them win a league title. And he played a vital role. And he did it under pressure that's unlike anything even Liverpool players can imagine. Because the pressure of playing for Liverpool is not like the pressure of playing for Boca Juniors. 
that's a whole different level because those people, their entire lives is the club. They live and die with that club. So he played under that pressure and won a league title. And then he went to a World Cup as a squad player in a squad that had they not won the World Cup, every single member of that squad was going to be tagged with, they let Messi down. They didn't help Messi win the World Cup because he was going to be blameless and everybody else would get the blame if they failed. And it started badly. They lost to Saudi Arabia. Alexis came into the team and then Enzo came into the team after him. And that's where they took off. And they won a World Cup. And Alexis McAllister won a World Cup, not as a squad player, not as a complimentary piece, but as one of the main players in that team. Mm. As one of the three or four best players in that team. A guy who, when the greatest player of the era got the ball and looked up, the first person he was looking for was Alexis McAllister. That's the level Alexis got himself to. And he did it without ever looking out of his depth, without ever looking in any way flustered. And the bigger the games got, go back and watch those games. Quarterfinal, outstanding. Semi-final, outstanding. Final, unbelievable. He was unbelievable in that final. And it's also worth noting that in two different games, when he was taken off, Argentina conceded within a couple of minutes because they lost their shape and their discipline because one of their foundational pieces, one of the most intelligent players, one of the guys who was telling other players where to be and what to do was gone. And without that kind of intelligence, they weren't as good. That's the difference he made to that team. So he brings that mindset to this club. And we have other players like that. But the more of them you have, the stronger the culture it creates. And this is the biggest reason I'm so excited about Alexis. It's not just the technical ability. It's not just the work rate. It's the the intelligence and the mindset that he's going to bring to galvanize this squad, to make other players' lives so much easier, to make their decisions for them, and just let them get on to it. The player we've loaded the most outside of Liverpool for the last two years is probably Ilkay Gundogan. He does all of that. He makes everyone's life easier. And when the biggest games come up and when they need someone to step up and score them a goal, two seasons in a row, the guy that put them on his back wasn't Kevin De Bruyne, wasn't Erling Haaland, wasn't Jack Grealish, the 100 million man. It was little Ilkay Gundogan who time and again just stepped up and said, you know what? Let's stop the fucking about. I'll just score a goal here and get us going where we want to go. That's what Alexis will be for us. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so, Taram and Kone then. So, it's it's more about, we've talked a little about Taram already. How about Manu Kone? Where does he fit with us? And, you know, there's there's obviously, we talked about his injuries and stuff like that on transfer committee mm. um, let's go into a little bit more really on him and where he sits in this team if he was to come in um, and say play next to the likes of Thiago and Mac and you know Trent where does he where does he fit so I think in the short term it's going to be a, a process of molding him 
into a slightly different version of what he currently is. Reining back in some of that natural instinct to go and hunt the ball down. Similar to what we had to do with Fabinho when we got him first. People seem to forget the Fabinho that we fell in love with as he was a catalyst for us winning the European Cup in the Premier League wasn't the Fabinho that played for, for Monaco. We reined him in and made him much more effective. And I think we'll do the same with, with Kone. He's a dynamic ball winner. He's, he's a sensational ball winner. He's a progressive player. He's a really good ball carrier. He's got underrated technical ability. Now, he does have some concentration issues where he's often trying to think two steps ahead and it'll bollocks up the first step in the process. So like a, a ball will come towards him and as he's about to receive it, he'll look to see what his options are and mess up his first touch, things like that. Dan talked about the first touch being an issue to, um, from a statistical point of view when we did the transfer committee pod. But again, like with Turam, he, he's just, he's 22. He's just turned 22 in May. Enormous potential, enormous physical potential and technical potential. He's a ball of clay like Turam that you can mould into whatever you want. And what excites me about the idea of bringing in Kone, Turam and Alexis is not only can they fit into this box midfield with Trent. So you go Trent, Kone, Turam, Alexis. You could shift that into a diamond, play Trent as the deepest one in a playmaking role, similar to Pirlo at, at Milan, have Kone and Turam as the engine, and just allow them freedom to go and destroy and take the ball away from teams, and then get us going the other way with their ability to just beat players off the dribble. And Alexis as the 10, sort of just buzzing around and, and linking everything together. It would work as a three. Turam right. Kone middle, Alexis left. It would also work the other way, where you could have Alexis as the most advanced one and get Turam to be a little bit reined in as like a bigger, rangier version of Ginny. Now, you take away some of his attacking game doing that, but he definitely has the potential to do it. But when you see these lads play, like the, they're like velociraptors just going about and just snatching the ball and snatching people's souls off them. They're so in tune with how to win the ball back. You watch the angles they take into a tackle, especially Kone, who's a, who's more aggressive than Turam. Turam's more measured and kind of waits for that missed touch. You know when a player just takes that slightly heavy touch, then he'll nick the ball off them. Fab does that. Whereas Kone will just go in and he just bulldoze them and take the ball off them. So it would work in a three. It would also work in a four-two-three-one. You could play Kone and Turam with Alexis as a 10. You could play Kone and Alexis with Turam as a 10. So all of a sudden, you've got all these different looks that you can throw at teams without having to change your personnel. Because Trent can obviously just drop back to right back very, very easily. And that midfield three can function in any different way you want. So. Kone is a ball of clay. He can be whatever we want him to be over the next five to six years. But he will make an instant impact because 
the dynamic nature of his game is something we have badly lacked. Mm. Badly lacked. Just like Ginny could it, be yeah. dynamic at times, but we didn't ask him to be. We kind of kept him in that little Ginny box and he just did the Ginny role. Kone, Kone's an explosive player. Like, think Ox level of explosiveness. That's what Manu Kone can be. I, I have to say, I haven't seen any of Kone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and watch bits of him. But, you know, from what I've, what I heard on obviously the transfer committee pod, just the number of duels he's in, his dribbling ability. I've seen some radars as well. You know, on paper, he just looks a you know a brilliant, brilliant acquisition if we can get him in. And a, you know, I don't think uh, it, it should be too too. I think that one is probably the easier one to do, in my opinion. Mm. Than yeah, um, because glad well. Jorg's son is the sporting director. Yeah, and I know. Uh, I think Patrick's. You know it probably doesn't make it much easier because his son's probably one of making wants to make a good name for himself in his, but his new son job also has to balance the accounts there and they are in a little bit of a financial mess and they yeah, have a exactly. number of important players who either have left on freeze last summer or are leaving on freeze this summer one of whom by the way is their left back Ben Sibayani. and i do wonder if maybe there's a costa simicus to Gladback move that we could set up where obviously you do it as two separate transfers for the purposes of the accounts. But, yeah. you know, if we even were to give them a little, say we say we want 18 million for Costas, but if we were to say, say to them, look, we'll do 15 for you and we'll yeah. pay 30 for Kone. Yeah. That's exactly. a deal that works for everybody, everybody, including the players. Cause, cause Costas would do really well in the Bundesliga. Yeah, I mean Liverpool will probably go go with. Um, I think the more you push the prices up, the better for your accounts or something. So you could go with like, you know, forty million for Kone, but twenty million for Costas or something. Like, I don't know, something like that. Where, you know, you you just add a bit on to make it look better for. for yeah, because when you're when you're putting through no amortization across the course year, it's only the difference of a million or two a year that you're spending. Yeah, but you get that whole twenty million. You can put it on in one lump sum. So you do make a five million jump there. So yeah, I mean that, well, yeah, that it, would work. It, I say it's, for both it's, clubs. It's, it's because it's because when the money comes in, you, yeah, you can spread out the extra five over. It's only a million a year, but the twenty that comes in goes straight off your years. Mm. You know, goes straight onto your years accounts. And same thing would happen for 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 Gladback, right? For Gladback, it's, yeah. It's a thirty or twenty six. It'd be like forty, but it goes straight onto. But really, it's not costing us as much. You know, we've saved five million here or there, or six million here and there. Really, with what. We've over-inflated Simicast, if that makes sense. hundred so, percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it kind of works for both. I mean, I know I know clubs have been caught doing this and then um, got got slap knuckles like like. But ah, yeah, but they were, that's when you're selling a forty million player, saying that you got seventy four. Yeah, when you're stupid. Not this is actually know. believable. This is actually believable numbers. Not yeah, like because Juventus. look, Manu Kone is a twenty-two-year-old, soon-to-be French senior international who's a vital player in their under-21 team. He's had two really strong seasons in the Bundesliga. He's well into his career at this point. And Costa Simicus is a Greek international who's a regular starter for his national team, who's a proven commodity, who's proven he's good enough in both the Premier League and Champions League. 20 million for him is, is, a, is more than a fair price. And 40 million for Kone is a very fair price. Yeah, 
exactly. But you never know. You, you, you might be onto something if um, that is what we're actually trying to do, which is probably why it takes a little bit longer to do then. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, uh, I mean, if we could get both of these boys in, Dave, I think the summer would have started with a bang. And, and, mm. and, and definitely one of the biggest concerns would have been addressed immediately. And I think that yeah. that's smart work from us finally. And like you said, maybe then the winds of change are coming. And whilst, and it's gone back to, and I saw some tweet, I think, you know, maybe it was James Pierce. I don't know who it was, but I saw a tweet where there was an article where it said Liverpool gone back to more data-driven, Klopp's priorities, data-driven. I was like, that's what it was before. Yeah, That's what it was. That's, it was always it Klopp's been. priorities. It's always been, it's always been the manager's priorities. And then the 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 data guys say, these are the best that fit your priorities, guys. Yeah. Not, yeah. I want him. No, no, no. These are the best available in our budget. That So all of it, looking at everything, looking at everything that's required. We need him for 35 million to 40 million. We need to be 50 million. We need to be this or whatever the price is. Right. For this bright price range, what fits your team? It can't be, I want Bellingham. That one no. doesn't fit your, your, your price bracket. You know, two, we've lost out on Europe, uh, Champions League, so he's, he's probably not wanting to come, or maybe that sours it a little. But all these factors, you know, yeah, you have but to it just it ruins your it would ruin your budget as well for for wages. I mean, well, it ruins your club. Two years, you wait for a fucking midfielder, a hundred percent. But like, think of it this way, guys: if, if Jude, if we'd signed Jude, and we gave him three hundred and sixty grand a week, or three hundred fifty oh, grand a week, another point. That's wages. that's more money, right? That's the only player at the club earning that is Mo. Yeah. But what do you think Trent's going to ask for in his next contract negotiation? Hundred percent the same thing. Do you know? And you're going to get the likes of Virgil and Ali that'll turn around and go, well, hang on a second now. We're after we've built this thing. We're the reason you won a league title in the Premier League. That mm. kid's done fuck all for the club. Give us that money as well, and they might get the hump. And then other players you start bringing in are going to go, oh, well, Liverpool are throwing cash around. So I was going to ask for 100. Now I'll ask for 150. And you get a couple of them to do that, and all of a sudden you're in a really bad situation. And then the other factor is you sign Jude this summer on a six-year deal. Three years down the line, he's going to want a new contract. He's not going to want the same contract. He's going to want more. And then three years after that, he'll want more. And all of a sudden, you've got this 26-year-old that you're paying 500 grand a week to and a bunch of other players that are looking for similar money. And you've got a reputation of, well, they, they pay really well. And you've got agents with their hands out. Yeah. And then he's 29 and he's on 600 grand a week. And now you're thinking, well, what the fuck do we do next? Well, do you, you know, so yeah. you are. It, it, would, it would have been... It would have been suicidal for us to push ahead with that deal. And the thing is, if it's 115 million with the, with the add-ons, and apparently the add-ons are not drastic. It's not like, you know, he has to win multiple Ballon d'Ors to pay them off. It's like if they win a title, it's 5 million. If they win a Champions League, it's 5 million. And yada, yada. And if he plays a certain amount of games. So you could, it's fairly certain it's 115 million guaranteed to Dortmund. Because they're not a silly club. Well, if Alexis was 35 and Kone is, let's say, 30 and Turam is 40, let's just say, well, that's 105 million. Let's say there's 10 million add-ons for Alexis. You're at the same price, 115 million, but you've got three midfielders 
rather than one midfielder. And you can make your arguments that Jude is better and yada, yada, yada. But the bottom line is, every time him and Manu, Manu Kone have played, there's only been one of them that's looked like a 100 million midfielder and it wasn't Jude. So Jude might end up in the best individually. He's not better than the three of them combined. And combined, their wages will come in probably 60, 70, 80 grand a week less than just his. Mm. Well, that pays for another player. Yeah, That's yeah. 4 million quid over a year. That pays for another player. That might pay for Mickey Van de Ven's wages. It will, would pay for his wages. He's on about 15 grand a week at Wolfsburg. So a club like us that doesn't have the ability to, you know, do a wide-ranging commercial drive and end up getting a way overinflated commercial deal from, you know, our Saudi Arabian overlords that doesn't have the ability to turn around to a player and say, look, we're going to pay you 250 grand a week, but buddy, have I got news for you. There's this Abu Dhabi-based snowplow company and we're going to make you CEO of that company. And would you believe they want to pay you 15 million a year to be CEO of said Abu Dhabi-based snowplow rental company? How do you fancy that, fucking Apple? And like, we can't do that. Only cheats can do that. And we don't, we don't cheat. Whether that's good or bad is up to the, the listener. But we don't have that capability. So we have to operate within the confines of the rules, the budget, what we generate ourselves as a club. That's how we have to operate. It's as simple as that. Would we like to have more money to spend? Of course, but we don't. We have what we have to spend and it has to be spent smartly. And if you look at from the day you're going to arrive to now, there's a very clear 2016, 2017, 2018 approach to recruitment. Yeah, big vibes. And then there's the 2019, 2020, 21, 22 approach to recruitment. Very clearly, somebody got a little bit more involved in the whole process around the 2019 era, refused to add more players because, well, you know, the players that got us here deserve another season, then signed a 29-year-old midfielder with an injury record that we wouldn't have touched otherwise, despite the fact he's an all-time great then refused to bring in any more than one centre-back in a summer, then refused for two straight summers not to address the glaring midfield complaints, despite the fact he was getting suggestions from said nerds of, well, there's this guy in Argentina, his name is Enzo, and we reckon we could have him for about 15 million. Oh, no, no, let's see how he proves himself in, in Europe first. How's that fella Enzo getting on? Oh, Chelsea just bought him for 100 million. Yeah, we could have had him for 15, six months ago, but you said to wait and see how he did in Europe. So, you know, shit happens. Like, that wouldn't have happened in 16, 17, and 18 when the club was functioning in a much more harmonious way, you know, before the eventual exit of Michael Edwards before mm. the eventual exit of Ian Graham. When those guys were being trusted and listened to, we built a team that won the Champions League and the Premier League. 
And when they were no longer listened to, we built a team that finished fifth in the Premier League with a bunch of bad teams finishing above us. As soon as Gordon came back this time, things, some things changed because obviously we had a resignation. Hmm. And then I think, had, his arse, I think he got his arse kicked by his business partners. To be yeah, quite and, then, and then, then, then also we had the the change in the the research, you know, director of research or whatever it was, you know, changing intent because obviously we had a resignation. But that means there's a definite when you're replacing someone, it means that someone's got promoted. It means you're definitely going in that direction, if that makes sense. So, you know, I do feel like maybe yeah. A lot of people have had their asses kicked into gear here and said, we're going in this direction again. It worked before. We're going to do it again. Please stop doing what you mm. are. And we need to do this. And and I don't know, um, you, you know whether Gakpo is that, but obviously Gakpo is a very cheap deal as well. So it was a, yeah. it was a good deal, a cheap deal. And he's going he's gonna to improve us in the future. We do got, love, got a, we do love a player between 35 and 40 million, don't we? Like yeah, I, I think he might just, when the players around him in the midfield's right with Gakpo as well, mm. I've got a feeling that there's another level that he could he could grow to. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I do agree. And I and I like the thing is, there'll be games where Gakpo plays as one of the eights and Darwin plays through the middle. And if he's got Alexis and Kone and Trent in midfield with him, as opposed to, you know, the the corpse of Fabinho. And Curtis Jones, who's had a good run in the team, obviously did very, very well in that run, but still had a couple of poor games and the decision-making wasn't always great. If he's got a higher calibre of player and a more dynamic calibre of player around him, I think you'll get more out of him in that eight role as well. So he can play there. We know he can play left wing because that's what he played for for PSG at PSV. And it'll give more opportunity to Darwin as well. So, I, yeah. I do. I think. I think Cody's going to have a, a good year next year. I mean, like the the guy had a slow start when he joined us first, but once once he got going, and once his confidence started to build, and the thing I, I really liked was you could see how popular he was with the other players. Like mm. when he'd score, you could see how happy they were. Remember yeah. the United game yeah. when him and Darwin and the bromance just shone for everybody, like. That's those two lads do not speak the same language because Darwin's English is about as good as my Swahili, and Cody, I'm guessing, does not speak Spanish. Now he no. might speak a little bit, but he doesn't speak fluent Spanish. Well, by the way, doesn't that help uh, Darwin as well with Alexis coming in? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Language wise, can I just say? Can I just say on the language thing? Right, Nabi Keita signed for Werder Bremen this week. And I'm yeah. thrilled because Werder are my are the German team that I follow. Mm. And I'm thrilled that Nab- Nabi stays in my life. From the minute he arrived until articles written as his contract expired, Nabi Keita and the struggles to learn English were slammed time and time again, right? Two things on this. Some people struggle to learn languages. Okay, it's not a fucking easy thing to do. Yes, there are people that can speak seven and eight languages. Fair play to them. Some people struggle to speak different languages. Most of us did a second language at school. And I don't know about you gags, but when I left school, there was a whole bunch of lads that had done French in our case for five years who didn't fucking speak a word of French because languages are hard. Right. So that's the first thing on Nabi. 
learning English is hard. Secondly, Nobby left the club with better English than Bobby. I never heard a mention of Bobby's struggles to learn English. Bobby was at the club three years longer than Nobby, and yeah. his English was considerably worse. Yeah, yeah, never yeah. ever hard. was it mentioned. Yeah, some people find it difficult, man. Later yeah. in life, like as soon as you get past your your your, your age of twenty four, twenty five, that's it. People start to focus on other things in life outside of work. You know, they don't want to continue some type some type of learning. They're already dedicated to their profession. Yeah, uh, but the point, the point be. it's a bit unfair is, to start. Yeah, Nabi might have struggled to learn English initially, but he very clearly kept working at it. Oh, he God, very yeah. clearly put the hours in and learned. And again, he left a better English than Bobby, but I never once heard certain journalists suggest that Bobby hadn't put in the effort to learn the language. But because it was Nabi, it was a fair hit and a free game. So I'm glad he's gone. I hope at some point he does. He's, he's too respectful to do it. But I'd love at some point for him to just do an interview where he puts a retort towards certain journalists who have treated him appallingly over his time at the club, and fans. including lying about oh, and, and the fans. But he yeah. won't say anything with Disgusting. the fans. Disgusting but behavior. certain journalists lied about Naby's injury situation a couple of times. And it's the same journalist that lied about Daniel Sturridge and yet protected other players who were maybe a little bit more favourable and gave them interviews from time to time. Yeah, it's it's just it's just a vicious circle. People that go after Nabi, then it just forces others to keep going after Hendo. It's mental. It's just a vicious circle. It shouldn't be happening, and we shouldn't do it. And, well, here's uh, what I know, Gags. In the entire time Jurgen Klopp has been Liverpool manager, I have only heard him refer to about six or seven players as world class. Mo, Mane, Bobby, Ali, Verge, Trent, and Nabi Keita. Nabi Keita. Klopp said in the farewell, what a world-class player. Didn't say it about James Milner. Didn't say it about Ginny when he left. Didn't say it about a bunch of other players. But he said Nabi was world-class. And yet, apparently he was just being nice. Yeah, I, I don't yet, When he says it. something about someone else being important... Well, that's definitely the truth. That's what yeah, he says. Exactly. That's what he means. exactly. I don't take double standards are just horrendous. So exactly, that's people why people know don't... who they are, and they should have a quick word with themselves and maybe go for a wee walk. Anyway, guys, we're Last talking thing. about things that are good. Only, only are I've only got a, I've got a few minutes left, so let's talk this this breaking news that happened this morning about um, Pavard. Is it? Yes, Benji Pavard. Of I've just been Iron reading Union. in Discord. A lot of people do not rate him very highly. Um, I I wouldn't be in favour of this deal. Right. So, Pavard is 27. Mm-hmm. He can play centre-back or right-back, so he High would fit into well. the squad. Well, that's the thing. It's going to be a fee in the region of €30 million Euro is, is what's reported. And again, this reporting is is from a questionable source in Christian Falk. Um, it would be about €30 million, Euro, but the wages would be high because he's been on a fairly high wage at Bayern. The thing for me is, when he was at Stuttgart, I wanted us to sign him. I thought he would have made a lot of sense. Summer of 2019, we just won the the European Cup. I I think we could have been looking at him in the lead up to that. Now, Bayern got him early. They got him before the summer window. But I thought, oh, Bayern have done well here because obviously he was the starting right back in the French World Cup team. 
but he hasn't developed since going to Bayern. He went there at 23, and at 27, he's still the same player. He's still, in fact, he's probably a little bit worse. His passing is definitely worse. His decision-making is worse. He's, he's still making the same mistakes defensively. Now, part of that is one week he's playing centre-back in a four. The next he's playing right-back in a four. Then he's playing right-side centre-back in a three. He might play a game of wing-back. So he hasn't been helped by the chopping and changing of, of Bayern's shape, which was a, a big factor under Nagelsmann. But I think back, Hansi Flick didn't really trust him either and left him out for big Champions League games. I, I just don't think he's developed. I think people have an idea in their head of what Benji Pavard is, and it's based on the goal he scored in the 2018 World Cup and a pass he played in early 2019 for Stuttgart. They're the two things people always bring up with him. Look at this passing ability. Four years ago. Look at this goal. Five years ago. What's he done since? Not a whole lot. There's a reason Bayern are okay to let him leave. There's a reason Bayern went out last summer and brought in Masrawi to replace him as the right back. Now, he still, to his credit, he still works hard. By all accounts, he's a good lad. But for that kind of money, I would want us going for a younger option who's going to be a long-term piece. Because this is basically, we're looking for someone that's a backup to Ibu and can also cover Virgil if and when he's needed there, we can do better than this. Like, Bella Kotchup would be a better signing than this. Maxence Lacroix would be a better signing than this. Tadebo would be a better signing than this. Like, younger players with higher upside who are already on about the same level as him, that's where we should be looking. So, look, if we get him, he's not a bad player. He's not a bad player at all. I just don't think this is the best use of our money. And stylistically, he's more of a replacement for Joe Gomez. Like, he's he's very similar to Joe in that he's good on the ball. He's decently quick. He's not as quick as Joe, but he's that right-back, centre-back hybrid. Whereas you would think him arriving would mean Matip leaving. So wouldn't we want someone that's a bit more similar to Matip in terms of, you know, stature, 6'4", dominant, that kind of player, rather than a a smaller centre-back like Gomez? So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, 
making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. No, me neither. Me neither. That age, I think Liverpool will be better off just going for someone who's a bit younger and, um, you know, someone a bit more hungry as well. How hard would have done it all, really? Um, you know, won multiple things and, and looking for a big contract. Uh, for a big, that's the thing. Of, I, I do think big he, contracts, you know. Yeah, he's looking for that last big deal. Now, again, look, like you said, he has won everything: four league titles, Champions League, World Cup. So you know, he he does have the right mentality. Like you don't you don't stay at Bayern for four years without having the right mentality. I just don't think the technical side of his game or the defensive side of his game has kept up. But, like, he is an experienced winner. There's no question. He's got nearly 300 senior games at club level under his belt. He's got 48 caps for the French national team. He's been part of huge games. He won't be awed by anything. But, again, I just think we could do. And he also won the second Bundesliga when he was at Stuttgart, helped them get promoted. So, again, he's been a part of a lot of winning. And, and there is absolute merit to buying players that have been part of winning. One of the things we bought Milner for was because he'd been part of winning at City. He'd been a good squad player for them. And he was part of winning and that was part of the appeal. So I could see it with Pavard that, yeah, as a squad player, he'll bring calmness, he'll bring experience, he'll bring a know-how, he'll bring the standards of Bayern, which are obviously incredibly high. I mean, (laughs) managers win the league there and get sacked. Mm. sporting directors win the league there and they're sacked while the team are still celebrating on the pitch the sporting director is being sacked and so is the the president like or the ceo thanks lads we won the league we didn't win it well enough so you're out <laughs> we're gonna bring in somebody else like talk about cutthroat jesus exactly. christ it's mental oh they're so funny but, but like it's not, yeah. like if we get him, it's it's not a, it wouldn't be a bad signing. There's the, it would not be a bad signing. I just I think we could do better. Me me too me too. But I think that's all I've got time for Dave today. But we can covered, we've covered quite a bit. Yeah, we can come back to this next week as well and see where we are. I'm hoping you know by this time next week maybe one more at least should, should have one more in the door all going well and maybe yeah. even two. Exactly. If we could get like, both this, done, this is a really exciting. Like, do you know what it is, Gags? Do you remember back in 2016 and 2017 where we weren't good yet, but we, we were getting there. We were improving and it was exciting because we were building a new team. Mm. Do you remember how exciting those summers were? Yes. Yeah, so but then in, and then 2018, obviously, there was great excitement because we'd almost, we'd gotten to the cusp and we'd lost the Champions League final, but then we bring in Ali and we bring in Fab well, and Nabi finally arrives. Just, when when Fab, Fab came in, that was it. We just knew, okay, yeah. we're going to be different now. This is going to be real now. They're take this is this is kicked up a level. Yeah, and like even even Shaq arriving on a you know on a cheap deal that summer, there was excitement about that as well because we knew how talented he was. Well, he played so well for for Stoke. You know, he didn't so hundred well percent, and and he had that big big reputation from big match players well, to Bayern, hundred percent, and obviously player. international level. Like this feels like those summers again. Mm. Because in, in 2019, 
Well, I think in 2019 we had big expectations and then it just turned out to be a, a big damp squib where we didn't spend any money. Uh, I just, I, there was, there was um, a few in Discord saying that Max a bargain basement signing and we shouldn't be doing this and, you know, we, we should be doing for, for aiming for better. And it's like, Mac, because he's come from Brighton and because his price mm. is 35 million, might seem like a bargain basement signing. But the only thing is, it's a, it's a bargain. That's all it is. It's a bargain, but he is worth double, maybe if more were, than if, double that because thing. he's he's a world this is a World Cup winner, a world class player, highly regarded by his peers, including Messi. Mm. And if you get someone like Messi praising you and saying you're vital to this World Cup win, I'm sorry, but that has way higher you know, that, that just is way higher to anything because Messi couldn't do it himself. He could not That's win that World Cup. All his career, on his own, he needed support. And this is the guy, he says, was one of the people that could help. Now, at the end of the day, you may think it's a it's bargain basement. No, take the rid of the basement. It's bargain. It's a bargain, correct. But it's now, a if, fucking if he transformative. Calls 60 from, if he calls 60 million from Brighton, people wouldn't be saying the same thing. It's just because they have this weird thing where we should be spending more money. Why would you spend more money than you need to? Like, yeah, that's just a stupid way right. to go about things. It's not right. No, These I think players, it's... Alexis McAllister, look, look at the team that won the league title. Ali came from Roma. He'd sat on the bench for a year behind Voshek Chesney, or Chesney, and then he had one season as the starter at Roma. Trent mm. was academy. Robbo came from Hull, who'd just been relegated. Virgil came from Southampton. Matip came from Schalke. Gomez came from Charlton. Henderson came from fucking Sunderland. Fab came from Monaco. Ginny came from Newcastle, who'd just been relegated. Bobby came from Hoffenheim, who people hadn't heard of five years before that. Mane came from Southampton. Mo came from um, Roma. Like, we didn't build the team by spending huge money on players from top clubs. We spent big money on two. Well, three, including Naby. We spent big money on Virgil and on Ali. We don't need to replace Virgil and Ali yet. They're fine. The areas where you would spend big money, we've already spent it. Virgil, Ali, Darwin. Done. Don't need to spend any more money in those areas. Wingers, flanking midfielders, fullbacks, they tend to be cheaper anyway because there's more of them. So it's best for us to find the best available value. And I'm sorry, if you're not excited by Alexis McAllister, football isn't for you. It really is not for you. It's and I keep seeing these, signing for the club, for the players. I keep seeing these wannabe Pep Guardiola dickheads on Twitter who, who think because they have a Twitter account and access to YouTube that they're some sort of tactical genius. And they talk about things like pausa, which isn't a real thing. Nobody in football uses the term pausa. It's not a word. It's pause with a Spanish or Italian accent put onto it to make it sound fancy. It's bullshit. And I keep seeing them say, oh, it should be one of Turam or Kone. Well, that doesn't make any sense. They're totally different players. So if you sign Turam, you still need a defensive-minded midfielder. So why wouldn't it be Kone? If you sign Kone you still need the attacking-minded midfielder. So why wouldn't it be Turam? These people are idiots. The problem is, Gags, these people don't watch football. 
What they do is they watch highlight packages. They watch mixes on YouTube. They watch clips on Twitter. They watch TikTok. And they read dickheads like No New Thing and EBL 2017 and all the rest of these 14-year-old kids who've never left their parents' basement but want you to think that they're just waiting for a phone call from a top Premier League club to go, yeah, this is Newcastle. Eddie Howe's not working out. We want you. You're the man that's going to come in and transform us. And they're, they're all morons. Watch a fucking game. Just, just watch a run of games. Stop going on FB ref. Stop looking at radars. Just watch a game. Just watch a game. And you will see the player. And not only will you see what the player is, you might actually like the scouts that we have work for us, you might see what they could become. Because Ginny Wijnaldum arrived with us as an attacking midfielder who played on the wing for Newcastle. And we turned him into a sitting holding midfielder. Bobby arrived as a number 10. We turned him into a nine. Gakbo arrived as a left winger. He's now a nine. Mo came in as a second striker. We turned him into the best winger the Premier League has seen. Do you know? Like, Jordan Henderson's first season at the club, he played on the right of a midfield four. He had his best runs at the club playing as a number six. Two, two of his three best runs, the start of 1670 and that spell in 1920, as a six. Like, just because a player is something for someone else doesn't mean that's what they'll be for us. In the same way that just because a player doesn't work out for another club or does work out for another club doesn't mean it would have been the same here. So just take take Timo Werner as, as a quick example. Just because he didn't work out for Chelsea doesn't mean he wouldn't have worked out for us. Same with Kai Havertz. And likewise, just because a player you wanted us to sign went somewhere else and did really well, it doesn't necessarily mean that if we had signed them, that they would have worked out because different shapes, different strategies, different approaches, different environment, different demands, different caliber of coaching. Like watch, watch games. I beg people fucking watch games. We're in an era now where people don't watch football anymore. They watch their own team and that's fine. If If that's all you want to do, that's fine. But then do what you've done, Gags, and say, well, I haven't really seen them. Don't write a 15-tweet thread about how this isn't the right fit because you watch two YouTube videos. I wait to fuck, like. I'm annoyed now. I was in good form, and now I'm annoyed. <laughs> Apologies. Right, I think it's a good spot to leave it. But this was a great chat. We'll, we'll do it again. And now that it's the summer, we'll, we'll try and make these um, regular. And if there's something to talk about weekly, we could even do it weekly on a, on like we are now. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Dave, for your time. It was wonderful. It was good. It was good, buddy. I will talk to you again soon. Yeah, and uh, everybody else, uh, let us know what you think. And obviously... If you disagree with anything, let us know. If you agree with what we're saying, let us know as well. Um, hope to talk to you all in Discord. And yes, thank you very much for supporting us and listening. Let's um, let's see what Liverpool do. It looks like a really exciting start to the summer. And hopefully we carry on this. Uh, um, I'm hoping literally within the next three weeks, 
everything's done and we don't need to talk about transfers anymore after the next three weeks because we're sorted. But fingers crossed. Let's see how it goes. Here's the thing. Can I just say one last thing, Mm. right? We could sign by the end of, let's say by the middle of July, right? We have signed Alexis, Kone, Turam, Mickey Van de Veen, a new goalkeeper to replace Kelleher, maybe a start a, a young attacker as well because that's that's kind of rumbling, and maybe even a fourth midfielder because we've been linked with a bunch of others as well. It could be Gabri Viega, could be Ryan Gravenberch. Though you know, I'm kind of hopeful it's not. I'd love Hayden Hackney or Alex Scott, young homegrown players to develop. But we could have all that done. Seven players in middle of July, feet up, we're done. And there will still be lunatics who go on Twitter on deadline day and will be fucking furious that we're not doing anything. Look at them doing nothing as always. FSG out. Like, you know, I think they should go as well. But if we have all our business done in July, that's a really good sign and we shouldn't be waiting. We should never, ever, ever have to buy anyone. On well, it lets day. us react late to anything. You know, if there is something that comes up like a good deal, it lets us react to Yeah, to of course. But if we by. don't do it and we've done all our other business no one's and running. nothing pops up, yeah. there will be there will be people well, that will moan. I don't even I don't think we will. We we are normally the ones that moan and I don't think we'll moan. If we know No, we'll be all right. If we've covered off three centre midfielders, if we've covered off a, a couple of defenders uh, and maybe even a young forward, you know, who knows? If if things like that are done after sales as well, yeah, I, don't, I think we'll be like, well, wow, you know, if car yeah, well, if there's no, a car value replacement coming in with a bit more flexibility in his role, exactly, you know, yeah, that, like a that Bradley Barcola right? or something we, like that. We do need to have, yeah, we do need to have someone who can come in and take that squad swap spot, but is able to do multiple things, not just play as a ten. If that makes sense. Now, so I will say if 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 we're if we're needing listens, I might do a daily red where I decide to go full full internet crazy just for the just for the clicks. Um, I think you should but, do. You know, I think you should do fun stuff in terms of taking the best um, tweets of the day. Oh, say, I will. This is I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> I think people will actually want to listen every day, like not miss it because it's like. It's like, okay, who's he going to go after today? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I have a new plan for the summer. Did I tell you? I didn't, I didn't tell you. But I keep it clean, Dave. Keep it I clean. Yeah, it's me. I'm always professional. Yeah. Last so, thing we want to do is Twitter Twitter ban you. We don't want, like, Acast to ban us or something. <laughs> that's true. But there, I'm not going to do this on podcast. I'm just going to do this on Twitter. I'm even considering starting a new Twitter account just called Spoofer Hunters. Uh, that's a really good Highlighting ones. all the spoofers. So, so in the last couple of days... Dave Davis and Trev Downey did a podcast and Dave Davis shared some information that he had gotten regarding personal terms being agreed with Turam and Kone. Now, you and I both know Dave. He doesn't say things unless he's certain of them. And he doesn't say things for attention or for clicks or anything like that. Yes, he said AI sources anyway. Let's let's be clear. He said AI sources. So Yeah, so he didn't say that. He didn't say that. And I you and I know both know who the sources are, but yeah. He didn't say that just for clicks. He said that because it's it's what he was he believes is factually correct. So yeah. that that podcast was released at about five PM on Thursday. And recorded way earlier in the day. And, and we put and we put that in same info that we cleared into with an him. article. No, so yeah, the article no, comes out at well, half actually, five. No, we put it in Discord three, four days ago. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so 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 point is it wasn't just oh it's just come from nowhere this info has been available has, Dave for a couple of days said, yeah you you okay with it going apart we said yes let's do it yeah so after the podcast eddie got one of the news team to put together an article about what dave had said hmm. within half an hour of that article going live it was the number one trending Liverpool article on news now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to give you some 9 p.m. At 9 p.m., a wannabe journalist tweeted an exclusive that Liverpool had agreed terms of Kefren Turan. He stole that information from that article that he found on news now. And I'm not going to name him on this podcast because, frankly, he doesn't deserve to be named on one of our podcasts. But that gentleman is a spoofer who has robbed information off other people on Twitter. You know, Barry, he's back seats man on Twitter. Yeah. So Barry had the news about Thiago needing surgery. And Barry tweeted, I've heard Thiago needs surgery. About an hour and a half later, said journalist, and I'm using air quotes on journalist, tweeted out, exclusive, Thiago needs surgery. Now, that news was under a media embargo. And by doing that, he got himself in trouble with the club. Yeah. But he stole that information. He's also stolen information from Graham Kelly. And that's just Liverpool-wise. So just to give you some some numbers, that article, um, because we got it out there first, uh, has done nearly 100,000 page views, just that one article. It's the highest viewed article in Anfield Index history now as well. So, yeah, that tells you everything when um, when you get when you when you when you do publish the news out there like that and first yeah. and and uh, yeah, he's taking it from stolen it. Well, and he's well, it, well they it. would they would steal it though when it's got nearly it's it's got such a big you yeah. know audience to it. So no, very good, very good for the site, very good for us, very good for everything. But yeah, doesn't uh, it's okay. I I get what you're saying. I'm usually not one. I don't normally sign off on these things to do it. It's always in private for me. That's what it's all about. Um, it was made the decision. The decision was made to go with this one. Okay, fine. It did well. It's done great. But yeah. um, and there are and like you said, I think you should start that spoof for um. Oh, I'm going to, and he is going to be the first one that I go after. Yeah, and I'm going to go through his tweets every time he tweets an exclusive. I'm going to go and find out where he got that from because I guarantee you I will find it within 15 minutes because it won't be hard. And if I have to spend my summer ruining his <laughs> summer, I will. And the thing Don't is, the be reason that guy. The re- no, the, hang on a second now. The reason I'm going to do it is do for because myself purposes. and Fabrizio Romano have a little game that we play where he tweets out stuff and I call him a spoofer. <laughs> Because he's a spoofer and he's got a fancy catchphrase and a fancy accent, and people have somehow bought into the fact that this guy is legit when he's not. He's a laughing stock in his home nation. He's managed to garner himself relationships with certain agents. So he does get some info, but he also robs info and, and lies as well. And I called him a spoofer because he had robbed all his stuff about Alexis McAllister off Gaston Adol and the different Argentinian journalists that were updating constantly. And he just regurgitated the same tweet over and over and over again, just wording it different with no new information. 
And when I said he was a spoofer after uh, another Liverpool site decided to try and, I don't know, swing from his testicles, I said he was a spoofer. And this this chump of a journalist had a go at me. And all I said back to him was, he's a spoofer, you're a spoofer, and clearly spoofers stick together. And he got all upset and he went privately and he bad-mouthed me to somebody who I'm much closer to than he is. So that got back to me. So he started this, not me. But I will finish this. I will finish this. <laughs> and that gentleman will be known as a spoofer by spoofer all and sundry by the end of the summer. <laughs> now, my, my missus is warning me that this is not a productive use of my time. Yes, absolutely. I was going to say that. Let's focus on podcasts and stuff, man. It'd be good. But yeah, I, I, no I think as a tweet, as a, as a Twitter account, I think it will become very popular if you had like a spoofer wars or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. It would be so hilarious. But yeah. Um, anyway, Dave, I must go. I, yes, you I, must go. I've Let's go. go Let's for go. Half an hour, but we should go. Um, thank you again for your time, and <laughs> it's always fun, especially <laughs> when you start ranting at the end. Um, and uh, yeah, guys, let us know what you think, and, and uh, we'll be back weekly, hopefully, with more reaction to more signings at Liverpool FC. Well deserved for all of us as well. So yes, with all all that said, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.